You're listening to the audio podcast of the weekly message preached during the online worship service of Central United Methodist Church. We are located in Arlington, Virginia. You're invited to join us for our live worship experience through Facebook or Zoom every Sunday at 10.30 a.m. Visit www.cumcballston.org for details. There you can also learn more about our congregation where we worship God, serve others, and embrace all. A reading from John chapter 20, verses 19 through 29. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nail in his hands and put my my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Good morning, church. My name is Pastor Courtney Mackill. I am an ordained elder in the United Methodist Church in our Oregon-Idaho annual conference, so quite a ways from you all, but at this time I'm actually living in Berlin, Germany. So I come to you from Germany this morning on this worldwide Holy Communion Sunday, connecting across technology, across land and water, and I'm so happy to be with you this morning. This is Luna, by the way. She'll be cuddled in while I preach this morning. I'm actually in Berlin, Germany because of a journey I took in 2017. On April 21st, I began a 500-mile pilgrimage across northern Spain called the Camino de Santiago. I was on the Camino Frances. It begins in saint jean pied in France, and then you cross the Pyrenees into Spain, and then you head across northern Spain for 500 miles. It's an ancient pilgrimage to the site where myth and legend have it that St. James ended up in Spain. And for many hundreds of years, pilgrims have been making their way from their doorstep to Santiago for healing and for finding out, remembering who they are. I was going through a really horrible divorce at the time, and the church I was appointed to and I were not a good match, and it was causing destruction. And so I bought my ticket, not quite remembering who I was and my call, felt like things that I knew were dying away, and I was in search of finding God again. I needed to be able to feel God again. I knew God was with me, but I also needed to remind myself of who 
I was and who I was created to be. And so on April 21st, 2017, I stepped into the Pyrenees on my journey for 36 days with two days of rest. On that journey, I met an amazing person who's now my partner, which is why I'm in Berlin, Germany for now. We'll see what the spirit does in the future. But I began this journey and it was a long journey and I got to come in myself to find myself again on this journey. Because of this journey, I know that resurrection can look like something that is transformative and not just renewing, but something that changes us and reminding us of who we are at our core. But on this journey at about day five or so, I stopped at a cafe and I was by myself, which is kind of unusual. You're, there are always kind of people around on this pilgrimage. It's a popular pilgrimage. It's been featured in movies and it's getting more and more popular. But on about day five, I was in this cafe in the morning by myself and this older Spaniard woman came up and was asking me questions and speaking Spanish. It was really lovely and having my coffee. And she said, are you alone on this? And I said, yes, I'm, I'm walking alone. And she said, oh, we're never alone on this pilgrimage. In fact, you are full of love and light and I'm praying for you. And I was so touched. She handed me a little, um, card of the Virgin Mary and said, we're never alone again. I said, oh, we're never alone. And I continued on my journey. Then at about day 15 or so, maybe 20, I was walking with a fellow pilgrim and a bunch of pilgrims and this little nun, very short in stature, older Spaniard nun came up to me and she said, you must come and see the statue in this church. And she was insistent. And the pilgrim I was walking with said, well, are you going to go? And I said, well, of course I am. Like, why wouldn't I? And so we walk into this church and there's a glorious statue of the Virgin Mary. And she said, you're going to love this because I can see in you, you are full of love and light. And I'm praying for you. And I embraced it. It was the same words. I sat in prayer with her and then I continued on. And the pilgrim I was walking with said, how do you explain that? And I said, I, I don't know. And I don't have to, but it's the same words and I must need to hear them. And I continued on in my journey. And then in the last five days, I was in this line of pilgrims because in the last 100 kilometers, more pilgrims join. You can gain what's called your Compostela or your certificate that you've completed the journey if you walk 100 kilometers at least. And so in this last five days, the sidewalks are full of pilgrims and an older Spaniard gentleman came up to me and embraced me and in my ear whispered, you are full of love and light and I am praying for you. And by this point, I had collected friends. I call them my Camino family and they all looked like, should we do something? And I closed my eyes and I thanked him and we continued on. And then it hit me that these were the words I needed to hear all along. These were the words I needed to encounter. These were the words that were mysterious and yet touch tone. And I needed to be embraced in here. I am full of love and light. And that's not dependent on organizations or people labeling me or my title that I bring. They are inherent in who I am as a called being as a disciple of Jesus Christ.
love and light. And in that mystery, which completely undid everything I knew in that journey, it also rebuilt me and re-pieced me together and remembered who I was putting myself back together in that embrace, in that touch, in that touch tone. Thomas gets a bad rap and a bad nickname. And the thing about Thomas is he's a realist. He's a realist who doesn't deny the mystery of who Jesus is. In fact, he will be the one who proclaims the loudest who Jesus is. But he is someone that earlier on in the Gospel of John, when Jesus talks about his death, says, I will go with you. He is the one who, instead of hiding behind closed doors in fear, is out in the world somehow. He's absent in the first sighting. Perhaps he's learning how to move on. He's searching for what it means to be a disciple of Christ in the world. He's the realist who asks the questions. And the thing is, we forget that Jesus doesn't actually rebuke him. It's actually a wonder. It is mystery. It is touchstone that Jesus comes back to Thomas and offers him exactly what Thomas has asked for. In the first encounter with the disciples, Jesus breathes peace onto them in the midst of fear. And Thomas isn't there and says, well, I need to see, I need to touch. I need to be reminded that of Jesus' humanness, that he is who he was and will be. But I remember who I am because I remember who Jesus is by touching him, seeing his wounds. And then Jesus does just that. A week later, he reappears. He's not doubtful, this Thomas. He needs to get close to Jesus and be reminded of who he is so he can continue on in the work that we're about to do. The Gospel of John is probably written by a community to a community of believers who are like Thomas and like us, who have heard of the risen Christ, but have not encountered him. In fact, John ends his gospel along these lines and saying, this is what this is meant to do, to show you to believe in this touchstone of who Jesus was and is and will be. You are full of love and light and that you can continue to the work that is done in you full of mystery, but also full of reminding us of who we are, completely undoing all that we are, so we might move forward in a totally different way, full of love and light, able to touch a risen Christ we've only heard of. John, the Gospel of John fills the Gospel with these encounters of different ways to encounter Christ. There's the teacher who comes at night who's supposed to know, but then is kind of doubtful in and of himself. There's the Samaritan woman who meets Jesus in broad daylight and becomes the first evangelist. There's Thomas himself, the realist, who can come into encounters with Christ and then proclaim this mystery fully before anyone else does. Over and over again, the Gospel of John gives us something to grasp onto, someone to connect to that we might be in the future. The sisters of a dead man who comes back to life, the blind man who proclaims who Jesus is, all wrapped in a weird mystery that can only be unraveled by us and pieced back together so that we might be transformed in a totally a new way, resurrected, if you will, 
into something that proclaims the holy mystery in our world, the tangible bread and wine that transforms us and gives us back out into the world to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. In the midst of unprecedented times, Thomas is the most refreshing to me because over and over again, I want to say, where are you now, risen Christ, that I can touch you and remember your humanness so I can remember who I am in the midst of not being able to embrace those around me? Where are you, risen Christ, in the midst of demonstrations and protests that we might stand up for our brothers and sisters and demand justice and equality? And that lives matter. Black lives matter. Where are you, risen Christ, that we can call out leaders that might give us more justice, more humanity, more ways to embrace the other instead of pushing them away from us? Where are you, risen Christ, to remind us of who we are in the midst of a time that continuously strips away what we know? Where are you risen Christ that will hand us mystery that will constantly have us questioning who we are and who we are created to be? And then I remember the risen Christ surrounds peace and breathes on us. The risen Christ breaks through doors that we might see and believe. The risen Christ tells us we are full of love and light. The risen Christ gives us information to protect and care for one another. The risen Christ gives us voice to speak out. The risen Christ gives us action to proclaim that Black Lives Matter. The risen Christ shows up in front of us so we might proclaim my Lord, my God, and then be called into what that might mean for us in the future. The systems around Jesus still existed and the disciples then had to take what Jesus had taught them and then move into the world against those systems. The mystery empowered them to be more of who they were created to be. Thomas reclaims relationship. He's not doubting Jesus. He doubted the other disciples, but he never doubted Jesus. And in that moment, he reclaims his closeness to Jesus, and Jesus offers that to him. We are never denied the moment to reclaim our relationship with Jesus. It opens up a future wide open to us to remember who we were created to be. Our relationship is solid in an uncertain time. And we may say, we need you to show up so we can see. And God will be present in those moments with breath and life and wounds and humanness and someone to embrace us to say, you are full of love and light. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, may you always respond to us with blatant mystery unraveling our very core, and then piecing us back together. May you constantly breathe into us resistance on some level, questioning on another, and then remembering that not every mystery needs to be explained, but it will explain to us your relationship to us. 
May we embrace our doubts, encountering you as we do. In your holy name we pray. Amen. May it be so, friends. It's good to be with you. Peace.